Petrichor and Parchment A Good Omens Fic by Mrs. Noggin Read by Literarian Chapter 9 Crowley had a folder. It was worn black leather and huge, bursting full with loose pages and notes scribbled on papers. He carried it under one arm, moving through the cottage like a whirlwind, finding a pen from the coffee table, stealing a piece of paper from the printer, giving Aziraphale a kiss as he passed him in the kitchen. He dropped it carelessly on the table in the garden and started rifling through it. Aziraphale followed him out, carrying a new cup of coffee for him and his own tea. I haven't got enough arms for this shit. I'm putting you on speaker B, so behave. He used his newly free hand to take the coffee from Aziraphale and burned his mouth on it. It didn't stop him, as usual. Thank you, Angel. Angel? came the exclamation from the phone. It sounded joyful. The Angel. You're with him. Speakerphone B, Crowley growled. He looked up to Aziraphale almost guiltily. Excuse them, they're an idiot. Ah, yes, apologies, Mr. A.J. Crowley, sir. Pure professionalism from here on out. Shut up! Crowley rolled his eyes. He spent a minute looking between a colourful design sketch, a sheet of numbers and the paper he had commandeered and made calculations with a determined look in his eye. B, I reckon I can do it with the first lot. Aziraphale had very little idea what they were talking about. He was not actually even listening anymore. He was totally overwhelmed by the angel discussion. Crowley had told someone about him and called him Angel to them. Whoever this B person was, oh wow, his heart was beating a little too fast, he was sure it was visible through his chest. I'll be there on time. Crowley's voice cut through his cloud of pleased wonderings. B laughed, a buzzing, cackling sort of laugh. Happy, but filthy. <laughs> On time, but in yesterday's clothes, because you... Whatever they were going to say was lost by Crowley slamming on the end call button with all of his fingers a bit desperately. He smiled, unmistakably embarrassed. So, that's B. Aziraphale was already smiling. Watching Crowley talk with someone else, even just on the phone, was charming. And then he was embarrassed. Even more charming. Aziraphale was charmed, right down to his toes. Until Crowley said, Suppose I'd better get ready for work. Can you find out about that tree?
The pipes were giggling and squeaking in the walls, while Aziraphale munched on toast and pottered around, tidying up. Crowley's black henley was abandoned on the stairs, damp and crumpled, so Aziraphale shoved it into the dryer for a few minutes. He couldn't do much about his boots, but he could lend him clean socks and boxers. Oh, the idea of Crowley wearing his socks and boxers all day was rather nice. He put some on the creased black jeans where they'd been chucked on the bed. That random pair of boxers that he'd kept for some reason, even though they didn't fit. Crowley had a lovely backside, but it was not quite as generous as Aziraphale's. Hopefully he wouldn't have to keep pulling them up all day. Nice red cashmere socks would be okay, though. Perfect, in fact. He switched on the radio, classic FM, obviously, swept up the broken mug outside and the mud and grass on the kitchen floor. The pipes stopped smashing about, and a minute later Crowley skipped down the stairs, red-footed and damp. Thanks for the skivvies he said, lifting a foot to wiggle it in the air. Have you seen my top? The expression on his face when Aziraphale whipped it out of the dryer, hot and dry, was ecstatic. He yanked it on immediately, making obscene noises of pleasure. Then he grabbed Aziraphale, making him laugh, and hugged him, hot and comfy, and oh, it was heavenly. Crowley was apparently happy this morning, and he bit playfully at Aziraphale's still bare shoulder and grabbed at his backside. At some point, Angel, I am going to have you properly in this kitchen. But now you have to go to work. The tree is gone. Do you need any food before you go? No. Crowley whinged. He shoved his nose into Aziraphale's hair and breathed him in. You smell like honey shampoo and sex. Do I have to? Yes. Yes, you do. Obviously, he'd rather the opposite, but apparently one of them had to be a sensible adult. Oh, just maybe one more minute. Kiss me. He fed him. Of course he did. It was what Aziraphale did. He didn't quite force him, except he sort of did pushing him down onto the sofa and thrusting a plate at him. Only toast, though, with butter and some of his homemade bramble jam, the mention of which made Crowley snort crumbs everywhere. They didn't talk about things. That would have been far too sensible. They didn't discuss later or tomorrow or now or yesterday. They talked about the garden and the jam and how late Crowley was going to be. And then he was going, kissing Aziraphale goodbye with a jam-sweet mouth and a gentle hand on his neck. Aziraphale opened the chiming message on his phone. It was 
A picture of his house. Yes, thanks for that, Anathema. Another message swiftly followed. Anathema, 7.46 You saucy minx! Tell me you took him out for dinner first. Oh, the picture was not of his cottage. It was of the black vintage Land Rover reversing from the driveway. Of course, Anathema would have seen it there yesterday and out her kitchen window first thing this morning. Aziraphale felt his cheeks tingle and burn. 7.48 The road was blocked. He replied simply, grinning as he imagined her response. It did not disappoint. Anathema, 7.50 Don't rain on my parade. Let me keep my fantasies. Tell me he was marvellous and kept you up all night. Lie if you have to. 7.55 I don't have to. She stormed into his house half an hour later, a pointless rap of knuckles on the door before flinging it open and stomping into the hallway. I cannot believe you fucked Crowley! She shouted, kicking off her shoes as violently as possible before coming to find him in the kitchen. Good morning to you too, Anathema. Luckily, I don't have company, but thanks for checking. She did not even have the grace to look embarrassed. She just poked a sharp finger into his chest and looked over her round spectacles at him. Shameless, you are. Brazen hussy. Make me some mint tea and tell me all about it. At once. Aziraphale gave a long-suffering sigh and flicked the kettle on to boil. I'm not dishing out details of what I may or may not have got up to last... With Crowley, she interrupted smugly. Yes, with Crowley, he admitted. He waited for the kettle, then popped a mint tea bag into the glass mug and poured freshly boiled water over it. But there was scandalous behaviour. Tell me there was. He grinned. Of course there was. Have you met him? Perfect, Anathema said, satisfied for now. She leaned back against the kitchen counter and dipped her tea bag up and down in the water. What's that folder outside? While Aziraphale understood privacy and client confidentiality and basic morals, Anathema clearly gave not two hoots about any of it and went straight outside to retrieve Crowley's papers to rummage around in. Oh, good gracious, his writing is awful! Anathema sipped at her tea and flipped through the folder on the coffee table. Boring, boring, lists, receipts, invoices, blah, blah. Oh, that's pretty. And that. Wow, that's expensive. Oh my god, I want to marry his drawings. 
I'd frame that and put it on my wall if he hadn't scribbled numbers all over it. Oh, look at this one. She waved it in his face. It was pretty. It was beautiful. It was also his garden. He snatched it from her hand and frowned at it. He was correct. It was his garden, viewed from the back corner of the house. Slightly changed, though. A new circular patio with a flowering magnolia tree overhanging a wrought iron table, a higgledy-piggledy path down the side of the lawn, overflowing cottage garden-style flower beds. It was lush and chaotic and colourful and art. Crowley was an artist. This was beyond work. This was talent and passion. Aziraphale loved it. Crowley clearly did, too. On the table he had sketched and coloured a teacup and a slice of cake on a plate. A book lying open, pages turning in the breeze. Aziraphale dreaded to think what expression was on his face, but Anathema was laughing at it. Actually, Anathema had been lovely. Full of reassurances that he was right to think Crowley had serious feelings for him, that he hadn't done something silly, that Crowley would be back and in contact soon, and was probably feeling just as weird about it as Aziraphale was. Well, he'd have to be in contact soon, he left his workbook there. She stayed for hours, in fact, sharing every tiny bit of information she had about him. How she'd met him years back, when he was a bit dodgy and probably drinking and smoking things he shouldn't, but so very talented. They had shared a crowd of friends, still did to a certain extent, but in the way you did when you'd all grown up and sorted your shit out, apparently. He was young then, she pointed out, and she had been even younger. Aziraphale secretly wondered if anything had ever happened between them until she pulled a face and put paid to that notion as quickly as possible. She had known she'd met Crowley for a reason, though, she said, and had made sure to stay in contact. And what if Aziraphale was that reason? Wouldn't that be great? Yes, he thought it would be. But he'd wait and see on that one. It did strike him, though, that Crowley could have gone to hers last night. Could have slept in her spare room. Instead, he'd set out in the dark and rain, and then come back with Aziraphale. That had to mean something. Unfortunately... Or, fortunately, considering he needed distracting, Aziraphale had work to do. He had to take the diary back to the family, and there was an estate sale going on 20 miles away that he'd like to look at. There were apparently old books boxed up and being sold in lots. Someone's bookshelves disassembled and disordered and packed away. The idea made him shudder. 
But if he could see any treasures in there, it might inspire him to get his online business up and running again. He had nothing else lined up yet, and it was always a good income. Buy them, tidy them up, sell them on. Well, the selling them on was often a problematic part of it, but he'd be strict with himself this time. He would. The roads were awfully busy in town, and he'd pulled something in his back at some point last night, and sitting in traffic was not helping. Self-doubt crept in again. He was too old and fat to be doing stuff like that, with someone like that. Crowley was lithe and fit and did marvellous things with his hips. Aziraphale had one night of passion and cursed himself for it the whole day after. He delivered the diary and handed over his invoice, skipped the estate sale and brought cake home instead. Aziraphale was in the bath when he heard tyres on the gravel of the driveway. He sat up, sloshing water all about. The slam of a car door and, yes, a knock on the front door. Now, either his hope was well-founded, or someone was going to get a surprise when he opened the door half-dressed. It was late in the evening, though, so it would be their own fault. He shoved wet arms into his dressing gown and dropped, not sprinted, down the stairs. He cracked the front door open. There stood Crowley. Though he looked a bit worse for wear, clean-clothed but black shirt crumpled, hair sticking up every which way as if his hands had been shoved through it a few too many times, and sunglasses on, even in the dark. Not a good sign. Yeah, we need to talk. Oh dear...